So welcome to Why So, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Abby Glassenberg of the Craft Industry Alliance. I'm really excited to get to speak with her about why she sews. So welcome to Why So, Abby. Thank you so much, Jason. It's great to be here. Really appreciate you taking time out. I know you're super busy in all of your roles. You know, maybe we could start out with uh, just a little bit about yourself for our listeners who who might not know about you and what you do. Uh, I know you've got tons of experience in our industry, but you know, how, what, what do you consider yourself in terms of crafter, sewer, seamstress, and, and just a little bit about your history? Sure. Well, I've always been a person who liked to make things with my hands and always did that in my free time, in art class, all through school growing up. And I bought a sewing machine when I was 13 with money that I got as a gift for my bat mitzvah. Wow. And um, my, my mom didn't have a sewing machine and neither did my grandma. Neither of them sewed. So I was kind of on my own. I had taken a home ec class at school and done very poorly, but <laughs> realized that there was really cool potential in sewing and it was something I wanted to do more of. So I got this sewing machine. Um, it was a Burnett 330. It was a very um, kind of uh, home ec grade sewing right. machine, very basic. And I kind of learned, you know, on my own, but without somebody, an adult there to help, I didn't get super far. And um, anyway, yeah, so I went to school um, and studied history. I went to Johns Hopkins undergrad, and then I did Teach for America, and I taught um, middle school social studies in French in the Mississippi Delta for two years. And then I came up to the Boston area to go to grad school, and I got a master's degree in education. And after that, I worked in a nonprofit for a while and then went back to the classroom and taught sixth grade social studies. And then I had children. So, um, yeah, so I'm formally trained as a teacher and I still love teaching and still use a lot of the things that I got, you know, in those earlier years um, in my current role. So, um, yeah, so I was home with a baby and after about 10 months or so, I was like, I need to do something else. You know, I had a really busy job right up until she was born. Right. And so I just needed some adult conversation and something creative for myself. So I had read about blogging in the New York Times in 2004. And I thought there must be blogs out there for people who like to make things, crafting people. And so I looked around and sure enough, there were just a few. It was a really small space. I started commenting and getting to know the bloggers that were out there. And then one evening I was out with my husband. It was raining. We were sitting in a Starbucks and I was like, you know, I think I can start one of these on my own, one of my own blogs. And he's like, well, what would you call it? And I said, well, I'll call it while she's napping. And I wrote that out on a a napkin and it looked like while she's snapping. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I'll call it while she naps. So I had no intention of starting a business. I just started a blog. And it was basically just when my baby would nap, I would do origami, I would decorate a cake, I would sew something, and then I would just take a picture. And this is before the iPhone. That's uh, so fantastic. With my digital camera and just put it up. And that was the beginning of my blog. And so that was, I started that blog in May of 2005. So that was sort of your, your, your comeback to crafting moment. You had not really done anything between, you know, the age of 13 when you bought that sewing machine and, and that time, huh? I mean, I was always crafty, you know, in college, I made things, I did lots of different stuff, but 
I didn't really know how to sew very well. So in that sense, that's, that's definitely true. And through the online community, I had help for the first time. I had people who would show me step-by-step how to do different things. And so my sewing got a lot better. And then during nap time or during um, library time, when I would take my, my daughter to the library, I would check out these sewing books, mostly kind of 60s and 70s books on making soft toys and dolls, because that's what I really like to sew. And then when she was napping, I would sew from them. And so I would post about that on my blog. And really, that's how I developed my sewing skills was just through the online community and through lots of trial and error. I started an Etsy shop in July of 2005 when Etsy was still in beta. Um, and it was brand new and it was really difficult otherwise to sell anything online unless you knew how to code a website, which I didn't. Right. Um, and so that was the beginning of the business. So it really was a business right away, even though it was very, very tiny. And I didn't really intend to start a business. It just kind of evolved that way. That's so cool. I, I hear similar stories like that from, from others that, that don't intend necessarily to make a lifelong business out of it and, and just kind of stumble into it. And I also hear stories uh, from folks about not learning to sew really until sort of later in life. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's really cool that you, you started out or, or, or learned mostly from the online community. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so neat that we now have those resources, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that being involved with the online craft and sewing community has been a huge blessing and one I never would have anticipated when I was younger. Yeah, especially these last couple of years with, with the pandemic. And we've seen that uh, explode even further, I believe. It's kind of kind of feels like it's here to stay as far as uh, virtual teaching, virtual learning uh, across all sectors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I think that's really opened up all kinds of new opportunities for people. And so I will just say, like, I, that blog led to a lot of really great opportunities for me. Um, I ended up writing my first book, The Artful Bird, and then my second book, which is Stuffed Animals from Concept to Construction. And that was, those were great opportunities. I licensed Patterns to Simplicity. I did a kit with Quarto um, that was at in Barnes and Noble, I did all kinds of interesting things. And through those opportunities over many years, I started to learn more and more about the business side of craft. Right. And, you know, a lot of people are like me where they get into this sort of by accident. They didn't go to business school. I didn't go to business school or law school. But all of a sudden you're faced with, you know, reading a book contract and understanding right. copyright, understanding intellectual property and really like trying to buy wholesale. Like there's so much information, like what do you need for insurance? That um, wasn't something that I knew about. And so I just started to learn about those sorts of things. And increasingly that's where my interest lay, which was in helping craft-based businesses like myself get all of that information, find out what they needed to do to, to grow into a profitable and sustainable business. And so, so that's kind of how you transitioned then to the Craft Industry Alliance and, and starting that with your partner? Yeah, absolutely. I, I had started a podcast. Um, I know this is a podcast. I have a podcast too. <laughs> um, I had started a podcast actually in late 2013. Etsy had changed their policy about what is something handmade, like what is the definition of handmade. Okay. And they did a town hall meeting online that I attended and I wrote a blog post Increasingly, my blog was more and more businessy articles. <laughs> I wrote a blog post about it, and someone from Etsy reached out to me and said, "You know, we'd like to talk to you about this further." 
And I thought, well, I, I'll do that if we can record the conversation and I can post the file for my blog readers to listen to. Uh, so I, I thought they would never say yes. I was like, oh, who would say yes to that? Right. But, they, but they agreed. And so we did. We recorded the conversation. And I posted, I, then I had to figure out how to host audio, which I didn't know anything about. Um, but I did do that and it got downloaded 8,000 times in the first 24 hours that it was oh, up. Wow. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting. I talked to a few more people, um, you know, for interviews that I posted the audio file for. And then in January of 2014, I started a podcast for real. And through that, I got to interview Kristen Link who some listeners will probably remember had a very, very popular website called So Mama So. It was yes, yes. Yeah. It was a contributor site. So like lots and lots of people, myself included, contributed DIY tutorials and patterns and things like that to So Mama So. And Kristen was great. And I had her on the podcast uh, one month. And then in sort of the in-between time, I had been working, as I said, on more and more business-related content. And I had created a newsletter, which I was sending out with a roundup of like craft business news of the week. Right. And that I was really that. popular. Yeah. I was, it was, you know, my blog while she naps, but it was really popular. I had a pretty big list at that time. And I thought, you know, what if I created like a newsletter for the industry and I charged for it and it became something that, you know, people paid a small amount and got this newsletter. So I was in the process of figuring out, okay, this was before Substack, before like it was easy to charge for a newsletter. <laughs> and so I was like, how do I figure this out? So I had started the process of like contacting a lawyer to drop some terms and conditions and things like that. And then the phone rang one day and it was Kristen Link from So Mama So. And she said, do you want to start a craft business conference with me? And at that time I had three young kids and I was like, I can barely travel. Like for me, go, <laughs> if, if anyone else is a mom of three kids, like if I was the same I mom. I understand. Yeah. That's yeah, a total so, production to, to, to try to train somebody to do what you do every yeah, day for impossible. a short period. Of, so yeah. yeah, it was impossible. My husband works full time. I was like, but I, but we got on the phone, she and I, and we started talking. I said, well, I was thinking about doing this paid newsletter thing and, you're thinking about doing a conference. So we started talking, we came up with this third idea, which was to create a trade association that would serve the industry in a new way. Because although we did have several trade associations for the for different parts of the craft industry at that time, really what they were focused on was trade shows. So they were right. really a trade show organizations. Exactly. And we were not in a trade show business. So we thought, well, we'll provide all the goodness that you get at the trade show, but all year long and online and available to everyone. And so we set about trying to figure out how to do that. We talked to a lot of different constituents. We talked to people in the lingerie industry and in the construction industry, people who are part of trade organizations and asked them like, what's valuable to you? Why are you a member of this organization? What do you need from them? And then we talked to lots of people within craft as well. Like if we were to start something like this, what, 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 you know, how would you like it structured, et cetera. So we had a lot of conversations. We built out a website, which took about 10 months. Um, and then we launched Craft Industry Alliance in October of 2015. I love hearing those kinds of stories. You know, it's, uh, I'm always so impressed by young mothers raising their family and then starting a business. I mean, the energy that, 
that has to take and the commitment is is impressive to me. It, it's just it's amazing uh, when when and, and and I see that so much across our industry. I tell people all the time. I mean, it's it's full of so many strong women that are capable of doing some cool stuff, and a lot of really good things come out of it, right? But you know, so so at this time, you, you you're now fully in business uh, doing this. Did, were you were you sewing and creating for fun anymore? Yeah, I mean, I still have my business. So my my sewing pattern business that I started way back in 2005 on Etsy. And then I also have a shop on my own site as well. Um, it still exists. It's still going. Um, it's called Abby Glassenberg Design. And I have, I think, 43 different self-published patterns that I sell there. And I also sell supplies for sewing stuff animals okay. and dolls. So I sell hemostats and I sell eyes, all different kinds of safety eyes. I sell squeakers and rattles and all of the stuff that you can't, kind of can't get at the mainstream craft store because right. it's kind of a specialty craft. Um, and then I have all of these sewing patterns. And, and I also sell my books there too. So that's still going on. Um, I have to say I have not released a new pattern in some time. I think the last one might have been 2019. But I still, you know, I still have lots of customers. I still ship orders every day and, you know, make sales of those patterns every day. It's it's actually a really nice, almost sort of passive income at right. this point. And so I, I still have that. And I definitely still sew, but it's more now on the weekends than it is during the week. <laughs> and, and and when you're sewing, I have to imagine your personal sewing, does it does it sort of center around gift giving or uh, is it for your, your own home and home decor or your family? What what, yeah. what, what what things do you like to sew for yourself? So the most recent project that I completed is a challah cover for Shabbat, which is the um, you know, the Sabbath for Jewish people. Right. And so it's English paper piece. And um, so it took forever because if anyone's ever done English paper piece, <laughs> it's very time intensive. But, um, but it's all Jewish stars and each star, right, has six points and each point is a different fabric. So oh, wow. all of these blue fabrics that make these stars are from my stash. I didn't buy anything new and it's really nice because my kids look at them and recognize the prints from all the different things I made for them. Like my kids now, I have, I have a oh, senior. So cool. Yeah, I have a senior in high school, and I have a sophomore, and I have a fifth grader. So oh, they're wow. older. They're a little older now, but you know, when they were little, I would make them doll clothes out of these. You know, I made them reusable snack bags, like all these different things. I made them tote bags for Hebrew school, tote bags for. Um, math class, whatever, all these things. And so I have all the scraps that I, you know, saved from those projects. And for whatever reason, blue is a very popular color. So (laughs) all of them are incorporated into these stars. And I just, I really like the way this came out. And I do feel like as I get older and we inherit things from, you know, relatives who have passed away and things like that, you know, what we end up giving away versus what we end up saving is so interesting. And and what we end up saving are things that people made. Um, because you would never give away something that somebody stitched, you know, it's just like, that's their, you can just see their heart and soul that's like in those right. situations. And so as I sort of don't have quite as much time to sew now, and I'm sewing for personal reasons versus for a business more and more, I definitely feel like it's so nice to make something that's like an heirloom like that, you know, that my, yeah. my family can use now on Shabbat. And then when we get older, you know, somebody can have and 
have those memories that are stitched into that. So that's kind of a thing that I like to sew now. Yeah, that's that's so cool. I love what you said there about your kids recognizing those fabrics from other things. I mean, I, that's such a vivid thing for me. I, my, my grandmother used to make quilts from her stash and they're, they're just very, very modest patchwork quilts that she didn't even really quilt them. She just, just hand tacked them. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember the fabrics on those. I still have one that I'll sit in my chair with today that I recognize some of the fabrics as shirts that she used to wear. <laughs> you know, so I've, I've right. seen that theme play out and, and hear that so much. It's, it's super cool to hear though. Yeah. That's Love great. It. So when, when you do find time and you, and you are sewing, what are some of your favorite like gadgets or tools or notions or, or something unique that you like to use or maybe something fun that you've discovered uh, of, of late? Yeah. So my very favorite tool is uh, our hemostats. And it's funny because I went to Johns Hopkins, as I mentioned earlier. And so the majority of my friends from college are now doctors because right. I, I was a history major. <laughs> Almost everybody who goes to Hopkins ends up being you had to be, a doctor. You had to be the odd man out there. Huh? Yeah. There were just 16 of us in, in my major. Um, but it was, so that was kind of funny, which was actually great. But yeah, almost all of my friends from college are doctors. And my best friend from college is now an emergency room physician in Baltimore. And he sent me, and he does periodically send me, um, I guess when they, when they open the surgical pack mm-hmm. that has all the different tools that surgeons use, they don't always use all of the tools that are in the pack. But okay. if they don't use them, they throw them away. I don't wow. understand how this happens. That's my understanding. So we so, can't, so we can't, we, th- those things can't be, oh, that's fascinating. It's so those weird. Things- <laughs> and so one of the things that's in there are these, they're basically, they're called surgical forceps or hemostats and they look right. like scissors, but instead of the blade being sharp, the blade is not sharp and right. you can, cl- you can clamp them to hold different things like in place when you're doing surgery. So he would send these to me. He hasn't sent them in a while, but I now buy them wholesale from a surgical supply company. But, um, those are the best tool and I love them for so many things. I have them in all different shapes and sizes. I think I have, I don't even know. I probably have 20 pairs, but they're the best for turning, especially when you're making dolls and toys for turning really skinny, long kind of tube shapes right right, right out and also for stuffing. So if you need to get stuffing into the far corner of something you just pick up a little tiny bit of stuffing with the end of your forceps shove it all the way inside um to the you know, furthest extremity and then let go and it stays there so i absolutely love them and i would say that that is my favorite tool. that's fantastic uh, i think your first one that i've heard using like <laughs> surgical hemostats and yeah. they're sewing but yeah. uh, it's not, it's not uncommon. I, the last person I spoke to, uh, their favorite tool was a spatula that they use <laughs> in sewing. And you know, she's got this very unique way that she uses it. And it's like, okay, right, that's really cool and different. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, obviously you've made, you know, a business out of craft and, um, and, and while that's morphed and is now helping other crafters and, 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 and really, you know, brands even um, within the industry. How, how beyond that has sewing really enriched your life or what, what other opportunities has sewing or crafting, uh, if you will, brought to your life? Well, for me, I am a very like productive person as by nature. You know, I love a good to-do list and I will just work my way down and cross things off. I get tons of satisfaction from that. 
but the kind of downside of that is that I am often in a rush. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a perfectionist and I often will just do things without enough attention to detail, like just kind of plowing through yeah. and um, tend to just be in a rush. And there's been many times in my life when that has come back to haunt me because I do things, I, I'm very productive, but I, then I rush around and do things too fast and, and they're not, you know, exactly right. And so what I love about sewing is that you have to slow down. It forces you to slow mm. down, look at everything, make sure it's correct, do it right and do it once because otherwise you're going to sit there and unpick that whole thing. And that is so tedious and annoying. Right. So that's what you have to cut it right. You have to mark it right. You have to sew it correctly. You need to iron those seams, press those seams. Correct. You know, so there are all of these steps and you have to slow down and do them if you're going to get a good result. And trust me, I've tried to rush and it never works. So I think for my personality, that's like the best gift of sewing is it just makes me have to slow down. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What a a lesson that you can get from that, man. Uh, We need this back in schools to teach kids that lesson that doing something well the first time is super important. Yeah. And we we can all get in a rush and and just want to finish things and get on to the next, finish, get on to the next, finish, get on to the next. But what what a super cool thing. I've never never really thought about sewing in that way. Thank you for that. Sure. So obviously you have these patterns and, and make stuffed animals and you like to sew those kinds of things, but is there, is there something else like, you know, on your sort of sewing bucket list that you'd like to do that you've never tried or never done? sounds like you've done English paper piecing and sounds like you're kind of well-rounded there, but is there something that you've been wanting to do or try that you haven't yet had a chance? Yeah. So I have one pattern that's for a puppet. It's kind of like Grover in that like you put your hand inside, the head is made of kind of soft foam and you can open and close its mouth um, and make it talk. It's one of my most popular patterns and you know, it's pretty basic. It just has arms and like a fleece kind of tube that you put your hand up inside and you can decorate, you know, the face any way you want. I've had Customers make it into a dog and make it into a singer and all different kinds of projects with it. But I would love to take a class on puppetry, like on how not actually acting the puppet. I am not an actress, (laughs) but but I love the construction of puppets and I just love puppets. So I would love to do something where it's like a summer long course or a six month course with someone who's really an expert puppet maker and like do a puppet workshop and learn all the different ways to make incredible puppets because I just love them and I would love to make more of them. Oh, that's, that's interesting. I I never really thought about it in that way that puppets, I'm sure, you know, unlike a stuffed animal or some other sewn thing, have a whole unique set of things that they require, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's my only pattern that uses foam. It's, I think it's quarter inch or might be half inch foam and you can buy it, you know, at the fabric store and it's, it's like very flexible and you can cut it and then you glue it with like rubber cement. Um, so you put some glue on the foam and then you put some glue on like cardboard or whatever and you wait. And then when they both are dry, you stick them together and then they stick really well. It's such an interesting process. It's just something that I never work with when I make stuffed animals. You know, I never use that kind of foam. Right. And then I also sell eyes for those puppets. So I found a factory in Japan that makes safety eyes and they made these custom puppet eyes for me that are 
they're like big white circles with a black, you know, pupil. And they're really silly and fun. And like nobody else has them because this, I just worked with this factory to make this mold. And so I sell those along with the puppet pattern and they're very fun and it makes it so easy to have such a cute expression on your puppet. But yeah, I would love to learn how to make more puppets and make more patterns for puppets and, and things like that. And then my other thing that I would like to learn how to, or would like to do sewing wise in the future is I would like to curate kind of like edit a book that is not just my work, but the work of lots of different talented, you know, sewing designers in our industry who make Jewish objects. So those are called Judaica. And it's like the challah cover, like I mentioned, but there's all these different, you know, just like for any religious practice, there's all different, you know, sort of textiles that you need for those. And the, the books that are out there on the market right now in that sector they're really dated, you know, they're from the eighties and like, nobody's going to want to make a project that looks like that now. And there's so many really amazing Jewish designers who have such beautiful work and could make pieces of Judaica. So I have talked to a bunch of them over the years and they're all like, yeah, you should do that. And I haven't gotten around to it. So it may end up being a retirement project, but at some point, I would love to edit a book of, of those sorts of things. That sounds super yeah. cool. I hope you find the time to actually put that together someday. It sounds like a super, super cool project. And, and, and also on the puppetry side, uh, we have a center for puppetry arts in Atlanta that uh, I've always wanted to go to and, and still have yet to, to go there. But hope you find the right person that can help you and teach you more about sewing puppets. That sounds super yeah. cool. Yeah, totally. That sounds like a neat place. I have to go check that out. So you, you mentioned there's so many influential people in this industry and you have a unique position that gives you visibility to a lot of those folks. Are, are there any makers or sewists that that in particular that you admire or you've patterned your own business and, and career after or who have helped you significantly along the way? Uh, there's been so many people who've helped me significantly along the way. I mean, it's really tons and tons of people who've just helped talk to me, explain things to me. And I'm so appreciative to all of those um, people. I think like right now, I love Sherry Lynn Wood's work. I'm sure you're familiar with her, yeah. but she creates imp improvisational quilts. And it's, it's more than just quilting, though. It's really about like becoming in touch with your intuition um, and using that to guide how you cut fabric without a rotary cutter, just with scissors and how you combine colors and kind of setting limitations and boundaries in your design work and seeing what you can do within those. So I, I love those parameters. I love the idea of using sewing as a way to become more in touch with yourself and who you really are, what colors you're really drawn to, and sort of what your true like inner design sense really is. I think, you know, it's almost like sewing as like a meditative process or I just, I, I just love that. So I love that Sherry is like leading the charge there. I feel like her, her message is really unique and one that really appeals to me. Yeah, I hear so, so often, you know, there's so many positive things that you can say about sewing and crafting really in general, uh, being an outlet, certainly for, for creativity, but, but also just an escape in a lot of ways and um, just a way to express yourself. So that's, that's cool that you would point, point out her and that particular technique and, and type of quilting. Are you sewing anything right now? Em? Yeah, good question. What am I sewing right now? Um, Let's see. Well, I have this quilt that is a map of Boston. I bought it. From oh. 
I bought it from Haptic Labs. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah, I'm not even going to say how many years ago it was because it's embarrassing, but I still have have it out. And um, basically what you do is you layer, you know, sort of the top piece of fabric that's pre-printed with a map of whatever city. So I live in the Boston area. So I got Boston. And then you layer that with some batting and a backing fabric. And then you embroider every sort of street, you know, river, alley, all of it, and create this map of Boston. And then you can, of course, customize it with, you know, like your where you used to live and where right. you live now and where your favorite places are and things like that. So I don't know if I'm halfway through, <laughs> maybe. It's one of those projects I kind of pick up and put down because it's very mindless, which is a good thing, you know, for a lot of days, right. it's like great to sit in front of the TV, do something mindless. Um, but at the same time, it's very mindless. So it's like a little <laughs> bit less appealing than something like, let's start something new and creative and pull right. and, you know, so anyway, so it kind of doesn't always get priority placement in the works in progress too, but it is, you know, so, I, I am still sewing it. <laughs> so are you, these are, this is hand embroidered, right? So you're, yeah. you're, you're just kind of following the already printed lines right. with the hand embroidery. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it is, I guess you could possibly do that by machine with free motion stitching. Is Probably. It, I don't know. I've never tried it. Um, that would definitely be faster though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. So, you know, you're a busy person. Yeah. I mean, I understand you've got kids in high school. My two daughters just graduated one this year and one last year. So I know you're busy. You've got a career going, but when, when you're not sewing for work or, you know, sewing in some other capacity and busy with your business, what other hobbies or activities does Abby enjoy? So I, I'm like a gym rat. I love to work out. So I go to the gym six days a week um, in the morning. I know I told you um, I was there this morning. Um, so I go to, I don't know if you've heard of this place. It's called Orange Theory Fitness. It's like, I a, have, yeah. okay, it's a franchise. So there might be one in your area. Yeah. Um, so there's one walking distance from my house. And um, so I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> the best workout for me. So it's like high intensity interval training. Mm-hmm, so um, so I love to work out and I know I don't miss my workouts at all. I always am there and I don't dread them. I love them. And then the other thing that I like to do is I like to cook. So I love oh. food. I love to make food, read about food. I love to go grocery shopping and different kinds of grocery stores. So, so it's good that you also like to work out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things are connected. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, we cook here six nights a week and my husband. Oh, that's fantastic. And I, yeah, we my husband and I go out one night a week, but the rest of the nights, you know, we cook a homemade dinner every night. And I just love, you know, I love to read cookbooks. I love to read technical instructions because I'm a person who likes to write technical instructions. Uh, um, so I love to read cookbooks and, I, you know, all, anything related to food I love. So who plans those meals? I do. I plan them on Sunday nights. We have notebooks of all the recipes that we've clipped over the years. We have several notebooks, one for meat, one for vegetables, one for desserts. And so I go through them all and look at you organized. I, <laughs> I told you I like a to-do list. And I write them all down and I meal plan. So um yeah, I'm I'm very like uh very organized in that way. Oh that that's that's awesome. Well I like to end the podcast uh, the interview with, uh, with this one question that if you've you had obviously you haven't 
heard this yet because you're one of my first interviews, but so I've kind of always said that, you know, as an industry, we're not really selling thread or stabilizers or fabric and patterns and whatnot. But but what we're really selling is this, this sort of feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that comes with with creating. Would you agree with that? And, and, and if you do agree with that, you know, how has that feeling, you know, sort of manifested itself in your journey? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think especially with Craft Industry Alliance, where, you know, we have, uh, I talk to thousands of different people in this industry all the time. And what I think people have in common is that we are selling, you know, a way for people to creatively express themselves in their spare time. And whether that's through selling a pattern, thread, a class, whatever it might be. That's what, you know, even if, even if people are just shopping for finished goods, that in itself is a creative act. So we're really selling that sort of creative expression. And as you said, the satisfaction that comes along with it, and there is tremendous satisfaction that comes along with it. I mean, I think during this pandemic, we certainly saw people, you know, knitting, people sewing, not just making masks, but (laughs) other things, people painting, you know, all those different people doing embroidery and cross stitch. Because, you know, not only is it meditative, but also gives you that sense of, of accomplishment. You know, that's the same reason why we all, you know, made sourdough bread and all of that <laughs> stuff that we did while we were home. It's like, you know, you can't control what's going on in the world, but you can accomplish and finish something right here. So, you know, I definitely love that sense of accomplishment that comes with creating. Um, I think it's, you know, it's one of the best parts of life. And so uh, that's why I think this is the best industry to be in. Yeah. And I never get tired of hearing that. That's a great answer to close on there. I, I, I appreciate that feeling. And uh, I love talking with so many different people that, that share that same idea that, you know, we all work in this industry where uh, people want to buy our products and and want to create with them. They don't have to. And uh, so it, it, it must be because they get something much greater out of it uh, than just a need filled. So, yeah. Uh, well, Abby, um, so you mentioned, I mean, I know you have several different businesses. You want to share how people can learn more about you, about those businesses or where they can, where they can find more information about you and, and what you do? Sure. So primarily you'll find me at Craft Industry Alliance and that's craftindustryalliance.org. And so that is my full-time job. That is mainly what I spend my my work days working on. And it's something I'm really passionate about. For my sewing patterns, you can find those on Etsy at Walshy Naps or on my blog at walshynaps.com. And I have a shop there, which is the Abbey Glassenberg Design Shop, where you can find the sewing patterns and the puppet eyes and all the other stuff that we talked about. Awesome. Well, I'm sure there's uh, some listeners out there that are going to be listening to this that need help in starting their own creative business. So uh, hopefully they'll be in touch with you for that. That would be great. We would love to have you no matter what level you're at. We are here for you. Well, Thanks again, Abby, for taking time out to to talk with me today. I I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you again on the road someday soon. Yeah, hopefully. That would be great. Thank you, Jason. (laughs) All right. Thanks a bunch, Abby. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Why Sew with Sulky. Visit sewingonline.sulky.com for more info on today's episode and to browse our educational offerings, including live webcast video cast and special events that you can watch in the comfort of your own home with your sewing machine by your side. 